Hello everyone and welcome to the June 5th edition of WarComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folson, attorney with Floyd, Skern & Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. A pharmaceutical company has agreed to a $1.6 million settlement with the County of Santa Clara and Orange County prosecutors over allegations of deceptive advertising of opioid painkillers. Teva Pharmaceuticals and four other companies were accused of engaging in deceptive marketing that helped spawn an addiction epidemic. Santa Clara authorities said the settlement funds would go toward helping combat the impacts of the ongoing opioid epidemic in Orange and Santa Clara counties. The Orange County District Attorney and the Santa Clara County Council's Office allege a decades-long scheme by the largest manufacturers of prescription opioid painkillers to downplay the risks of their drugs while exaggerating their benefits. The 105 five-page lawsuit alleges that marketing campaigns by Teva, as well as Purdue Pharma, Endo Health Solutions, Janssen Pharmaceuticals, and activists helped transform prescription opioids from a niche market geared toward short-term use by cancer patients into a multi-billion dollar industry. While the settlement would end Teva's role in the lawsuit, the charges against Purdue Endo Health Solutions, Janssen, and activists remain. Teva officials expressly denied any wrongdoing. And similar cases have been filed by governmental entities across the nation. Chicago sued Teva, Purdue, and other drug makers in 2014, saying they misled doctors and the public about the addictive nature of opiates and pushed prescriptions despite known dangers of addiction. The Chicago case and others are still active. And hot on the heels of the Santa Clara Orange County settlement, the state of Ohio sued five major drug manufacturers, accusing them of misrepresenting the risks of prescription opioid painkillers that have fueled a skyrocketing drug addiction epidemic in their state. The suit, filed by the Ohio Attorney General, comes as a growing number of state and local governments are suing drug makers and distributors, seeking to hold them accountable for a deadly and costly opioid crisis. The five companies Ohio sued were Purdue, Johnson & Johnson's Janssen Pharmaceuticals, Inc., a, a unit of Endo International, Teva Pharmaceutical Industries, and Cephalon Unit and the Allergan Company. The Ohio Attorney General said the companies helped unleash the crisis by spending millions of dollars marketing and promoting such drugs as Oxycontin and Percocet, overstating their benefits and trivializing their potential addictive qualities. And he said, these companies continue to mislead the public. And Janssen Pharmaceuticals spokesperson said the allegations in this lawsuit are both legally and factually unfounded. Purdue said it shares the Attorney General's concerns about the opioid crisis and is committed to working collaboratively to find solutions. Allergan and Teva declined to comment and Endo could not be immediately reached. The suit, filed in southern Ohio, where addiction has hit hard, alleges the drug companies violated the Ohio Consumer Sales Practices Act, committed Medicaid fraud, and created a public nuisance. It seeks to halt deceptive practices 
a declaration that the companies acted illegally and unspecified damages to the state and consumers. Last year, 2.3 million Ohio residents were prescribed opioids, nearly a fifth of the state's population. And Ohio has one of the nation's highest overdose rates. 4,169 people died from overdoses last year. Drug companies, including Purdue and Johnson & Johnson, have been fighting lawsuits by two California counties, the city of Chicago, four counties in New York, and the state of Mississippi over their opioid marketing practices. Several West Virginia counties have filed lawsuits in recent months against drug wholesalers McKesson Corporation, Cardinal Health, and Amerisource Bergen for failing to report suspicious orders of opioids in the state. West Virginia's Attorney General earlier reached settlements with Cardinal Health and Ameris Source Bergen for combined $36 million to resolve similar claims. U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley said that U.S. taxpayers may have overpaid for EpiPen by as much as $1.27 billion from 2006 through 2016, citing an estimate from the Department of Health and Human Services. Grassley said that's far more than the $465 million that EpiPen maker Mylan Pharmaceuticals agreed to pay in a settlement negotiations with the Justice Department. The Senator's Judiciary Committee has been investigating Mylan's EpiPen pricing since last year. Last October, the embattled pharmaceutical company said that it had agreed to settle a case with the Department of Justice for $465 million after it was accused of overbilling the government for its EpiPen product. EpiPen is used to counteract a potential fatal allergic reaction known as anaphylaxis. Myelin classified EpiPen as a generic drug for the purposes of Medicaid's drug rebate program and as a result paid a lower rebate rate to Medicaid than did sellers of brand-name drugs. Officials have said that the EpiPen should have been treated as a brand-name product for Medicaid's rebate program. Last year, the drug company also came under heavy criticism for jacking up the price of the life-saving auto-injector. It raised the price of a two-pack to $608 compared to the 2007 cost of $94. Mylan was sued in April by customers who claimed the company engaged in an illegal scheme to dramatically increase the price over the past decade. The suit alleged that the skyrocketing list price of EpiPen was the result of Mylan's payments of rebates to pharmacy benefit managers, including CVS Caremark, Express Scripts, and Optum RX, which handled prescription drug benefit programs for insurance plans. The class action suit claims violations of consumer protection laws of all U.S. states as well as a violation of the Racketeer-Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. If granted class action status, the suit would cover all consumers. The suit noted that when EpiPen prices were increasing most dramatically, some other companies tried to introduce competing devices, but those companies never succeeded in displacing the market dominance of EpiPen because they did not pay the same level of rebates that Mylan was paying the pharmacy benefit managers. Plaintiff's lawyers say Mylan has tried 
every trick in the book to avoid taking accountability to the millions of people who are living without the EpiPen they need to prevent a life-threatening allergic reaction. A spokesman for Mylan said that the company had no comment beyond that it will continue to work with the government to finalize the settlement as soon as possible. And now our crime report. Sarah Karras Snow worked part-time at Trader Joe's as a crew member, a position that required her to stock shelves, gather shopping carts from the store parking lot, provide customer service, and perform other miscellaneous tasks. In January 2011, Snow claimed that her right wrist hurt and that she believed the pain was caused by repetitive movements associated with her job. Trader Joe's approved Snow's claim and provided benefits for a three-month period. Snow reported back to work in May 2011. On her first day back, she initiated a second claim, alleging that she had injured her back while collecting three shopping carts from the parking lot that day. The adjuster delayed approval to allow for further investigation and ultimately denied the claim. When questioned about how she spent her time, At her November 2011 deposition, Snow described things such as participating in church activities, walking her dog on the beach, lying on the beach, going to the library, and attending concerts and films. But, Sabrosa video a month later showed Snow standing on the running board of a Toyota 4Runner and removing a 12-foot paddleboard from the roof of the vehicle carrying it approximately 150 feet down the sandy beach into the water, bending over to place the board in the water, climbing on the board, and then paddling in a standing position until the investigator could no longer see her. Snow is later seen paddling back to the beach, removing the board from the water, carrying it back up the hill to the vehicle with her right hand, lifting the board over her head and securing it to a rack on the roof of the forerunner. Snow was on the paddleboard for about 45 minutes and the investigator did not observe any signs of restrictions or limitations in her movements. In her August 2011 second deposition, she claimed she needed help carrying and loading her surfboard. Snow was then charged by authorities with insurance fraud and perjury based on false statements she made during her second deposition. And a jury convicted her of three counts of workers' comp fraud and two counts of attempted perjury under oath for lying at her deposition about her ability to carry her paddleboard. And another count of attempted perjury for lying at her deposition about her ability to lift her paddleboard onto her vehicle. Snow appealed her conviction, claiming that her two convictions for attempted perjury should be consolidated into a single conviction because they are based upon the same material matter. Alternatively, she contended that her convictions on the two counts represented multiple convictions for the same offense in violation of the Double Jeopardy Clause of the Fifth Amendment. The Court of Appeal rejected these arguments in the unpublished case of People v. Snow. Separate false statements given under a single oath may give rise to separate perjury charges under Penal Code Section 118A. Detectives with the California Department of Insurance arrested 55-year-old Gina Marie Gregory of Lafayette for allegedly 
underreporting payroll and defrauding insurers of $32 million. Gregori was charged with 19 felony counts and is being held on $5.2 million bail at the San Francisco County Jail. Gregori was the owner of GMG Janitorial, GMG Billings, and Apex Janitorial Solutions, and allegedly falsified documents and underreported payroll to her workers' comp insurance company. Investigators concluded that Gregori was keeping two sets of books, one to report to the EDD and pay her employees, and a fraudulent set of books she provided to insurers and insurance auditors, which showed a significantly lower payroll. GMG is a large janitorial company founded in 1987 by Gregori, operating throughout the Bay Area and Southern California, employing more than 200 employees. The company provides services for over a million square feet of commercial properties throughout the greater San Francisco Bay Area, Los Angeles, and Orange County. The investigation was led by the Department of Insurance with assistance from the San Francisco County District Attorney's Office, who is also prosecuting the case. Dr. Mike Cohen is at the cutting edge of a law enforcement innovation that is helping federal agents level the field in the fight against large-scale health care fraud. In a demonstration of his methods, line after line of data begins to appear on his computer screen, forming a long list of companies and addresses with columns of related measures and rankings assigned to each business. He points out, that your standard pharmacy is just billing Medicare is going to be around $300,000 to $1.5 million in billings, maybe $3 million if you have a really intense population. But as Cohen scrolls through the list on his computer screen, nine pharmacies at the top of the list show Medicare billing of $100 million or more, which he says is a red flag for further investigation. Not long ago, it would have taken an entire squad of healthcare fraud investigators a decade's worth of shoe leather to connect all the dots and compile such a list. Today, Cohen can do it in a few seconds, and he says there is no shortage of ways we can twist and crunch numbers to look for targets. And he adds there is no shortage of targets. Healthcare fraud has become a big, lucrative enterprise in the United States. No one knows the full extent of the drain on Medicare, Medicaid, and private health insurers. Experts suggest it may cost $100 billion each year. For decades, federal agents have struggled to keep pace with growing numbers of healthcare fraudsters. Now, the hope is that data analytics can inject a new level of oversight and enforcement into the system. Depending upon the commands Cohen types into his computer, the displayed results could be a list of the most suspicious doctors, pharmacies, hospitals, drug companies, medical device makers, or others. The metrics seek to identify patterns in Medicare billing data that resemble known examples of fraud. Healthcare swindlers get rich by finding a way to cheat the system and then using that deceptive practice over and over again. Since every transaction in the government-run healthcare system is documented, a successful fraud depends on the ability of the swindlers to hide in plain sight amid hundreds of millions of transactions. If those hundreds of millions of transactions can be organized 
in a way that identifies patterns of fraud, the suspected perpetrators of that fraud are no longer able to hide from federal agents. And in medical news, a new report estimated that prescription painkiller abuse alone results in at least $25 billion in annual health care costs and $55 billion in total annual cost to society. And what state leads the nations in these costs? Well, the state of California incurs the largest opioid abuse-driven health care expense at roughly $4.2 billion cost annually. On a per capita basis, opioid abuse in California is estimated to cost each resident roughly $110 per year. In California, the number of babies born affected by drugs has nearly doubled over seven years to more than 3,600 in 2015. And doctors say it's not necessarily the moms you'd expect. Infant problems are coming from all socioeconomic backgrounds, taking opiates like Oxycontin for chronic pain or other ailments. A Sutter Health medical director and expert on drug-exposed infants said that in the last decade, about half of Sutter's opiate-addicted babies are born to moms who are working, living in an intact family, very much welcoming their baby with good prenatal care. The American Psychiatric Association released a poll showing that a quarter of all Americans and one in three millennials Note someone who is addicted to heroin or prescription painkillers. People who misuse opioid medications often get them from a relative or friend who has a prescription. 18% of millennials were not concerned about taking a drug without a prescription, compared to 10% of baby boomers. And even insurance underwriters are involved in assessing the increased risk. More than 90% of underwriters are concerned about the potential impact that opioid addiction will have on mortality of the insured population. However, opioid addiction medications will soon be more accessible in California thanks to a $90 million federal grant. One project the state is focusing in on is helping more physicians prescribe a drug called buprenorphine. Methadone is the most common drug used to treat opioid addiction, but because it's a narcotic, it can only be accessed through a heavily structured treatment program. A spokesman with California's Department of Healthcare Services says the lower-strength buprenorphine can be prescribed by physicians more easily, but so far many doctors have been hesitant to prescribe it. And in industry news... By Burke, a child of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance, is a new unit that lets owners of small businesses shop online for a commercial vehicle, general liability, property, workers' compensation, and eventually professional liability insurance. It was previously known as Cover Your Business until a March name change that was the brainchild of Ajit Jain, Berkshire's top insurance executive. Jane wanted a hassle-free way for small business owners to bypass insurance agents, often getting quotes within five minutes after completing short questionnaires online. Sales data are confidential, but 
Chief Operating Officer Rakesh Gupta said, Buy Burke or Business Insurance Berkshire Hathaway is signing up twice as many customers as they did a year ago. However, insurers have been slow to adopt online technology in part because of state regulatory burdens. The company hopes Buy Burke will attract more younger, more technology-savvy people going to, into business for themselves. Berkshire's entry into online business insurance also is part of an industry-wide movement known as InsureTech, aimed at bringing the wonders of new technology to the $4 trillion a year insurance market. In some cases, technology can reduce or even eliminate the cost of processing claims. Then there's the sometimes tedious process of underwriting or evaluating insurance risk deciding whether to insure someone and setting the premium to be charged. With the proper design, that can happen quickly, thanks to today's interconnected information world. By Burke typically provides instant workers' compensation insurance quotes to 60% of its applicants, denies 20%, and asks the remaining 20% to speak with a representative. Improvements to the sign-up process now permit 50% of customers to buy without human help, up from 10% a year ago. The chief operating officer said business insurance could follow the trajectory of auto insurance where Berkshire's GEICO unit, as well as rivals Progressive and USAA, won market share from State Farm and Allstate by driving underrating costs down and also premiums down. And that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and our special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Skarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.